Okay, that's the last week of my walkout song, Living on a Prayer. Uh, you, you know, that's the kind of song that you just roll the windows down, you know, and you just, uh, just crank it out. That and a few, uh, there's some uh, great Christian songs in the 80s, some rock uh, Christian songs uh, in the 80s, Petra, Allies, uh, one of my favorite songs by Allies, uh, called Devil is a Liar. Man, you ought to listen to that song. Find it, called Allies, um, and it's called Devil is a Liar. Crank it up. And let me tell you, you will be able to just fight the devil. And we're going to be talking about it today because the devil is a liar. And uh, in today's sermon, which is uh, all about the warrior's prayer. But before we get into that, let me just do a quick recap of what we've been doing here at Lake Point Church over the past, I think, five to six weeks. This is uh, week number six. And in this Living on a Prayer series, and this Living on a Prayer is all about going beyond the emergency room type of prayers. Whether you're in the, mer- the actual emergency room, or if you're in, sort of in the emergency room of life and you feel like, oh my gosh, I've got to pray. I've got to get, drop on my knees. And many of us have been there in those moments. And that's great. We should be praying that. But we also should be praying, uh, having a life of prayer, living on a prayer. And that's a, a, um, just a, a consistent time with the Lord. And that's going to look different for everybody. Uh, maybe your time with the Lord, maybe you have an hour and a half uh, sitting in the car fighting traffic. That's a great time. And pray, right? Lord, protect me. Um, and uh, so you, you may have some time with the Lord there or in the morning or in the evening or maybe when you're walking, that sort of stuff. And uh, so we, we talked about in the first week the priority prayer, which is all about pray first. And we even pass out these uh, wristbands. If you didn't get one, make sure you, you grab one on the way out. And um, this is a great reminder just to have the priority prayer. Week number two, we talked about the power of prayer. And we saw in the book of Acts a prayer meeting that happened. And and the power of God showed up in a great way. And uh, one reason is because they were unified in prayer. And uh, they involved, involved scripture in that. They reminded the Lord, hey, it says this in your word. And so they did that as well. And then they also prayed bold prayers. When, the, when is the last bold prayer you prayed uh, in your life? I encourage you to pray bold prayers. I believe God honors bold prayers because bold, bold prayers honor God. Okay, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Uh, week three, we introduced the plans of prayer. Uh, we talked first week about in the plan of prayers, the, uh, the Jesus prayer or the, the Lord's prayer as it's uh, well known. And it's basically a model or an outline of a, of a prayer that we can, we can include. And then we uh, looked at the prayer of Jabez as our uh, discipleship pastor, Terry Kruger, came up here and, and taught about the prayer of Jabez. Again, it's a prayer model that we can incorporate in our prayer. And then uh, last week, we, uh, the title was, in, uh, was called Prayer of the Sheep. Um, if, if the Lord is our shepherd, that makes us as believers his sheep. And we get to know his voice. We get to understand him. And one of the best ways to understand him is to uh, call him by those names. Uh, I shared last week, I, I have several names. I have, you know, dad, I have, um, you know, pastor, uh, I have, um, you know, my wife uh, calls me, uh, um, well, she, I said she calls me honey, she says she calls me babe. So, you know, we'll just say babe. Uh, I think she's usually right. And so, um, but I have different names that I go by. Now, you know, Mr. Bennett is, is, I'll go by that, but you don't really know me that well if you call me Mr. Bennett. Okay, and, uh, and the same with God the Father. When we pray to God the Father, we can pray some names to him. And there are eight sort of 
Jewish or Hebrew names that we talked about. In fact, I sent out this week an, an outline of that message and uh, in an email. If you didn't get that, let us know. We uh, would love to send that to you. But it was based upon Psalm 23, that very familiar psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. And David gives us an outline that walks through all of those names of God. The Lord is my shepherd, shepherd, my Jehovah Ra, my provider, uh, my uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He's our, he's our God of peace. He's our Jehovah Shalom. And all the way down. And it goes through eight of those. And so I would encourage you to use that Psalm 23 as a prayer plan and those names of God. You don't have to use the actual Hebrew names, but you can use what they mean. My provider, God, my peace. Okay, and uh, God, my defender, my protector, and all the way down. And so we end this series today with a sort of a fourth and final prayer plan um, that is called the Warrior's Prayer. The Bible reveals that an invisible spiritual dimension is always operating around us. If you don't believe that, you're, you're naive because <laughs> it is happening all around us. The Apostle Paul calls this the heavenly realm. It's a realm that we cannot see with our human eyes. Um, and according to Paul, a battle rages, uh, rages on. Now, uh, we see this in Ephesians chapter 6. And just to let you know, we're going to be looking at several different passages in God's Word. So if you have your printed copy or, or digital copy, we're going to be looking uh, pretty quickly at several uh, passages of scripture. We'll have that on the screen. For those who are watching online, we have that on there as well. And so, um, but we see this in, pa in uh, Apostle Paul. He says this in Ephesians 6, 23, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, let's just stop there. Many of us get confused by that. And many of us think, okay, well, well this person is, is treating me like this. Or I've been treated by this group of people you know, in a certain way. So my war, my struggle is with them. No. <laughs> Your struggle is with a realm, a heavenly realm that you cannot see. It is not against flesh and blood. And so it, 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 when you're in the midst of battle, it's very difficult, as I can, as I can uh, confirm, it's very difficult for you to wrap your head around that and to remember that it's not against people, it's against um, it's against the enemies. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. However, we are far from defenseless. You may say, well, well if, if, we're fighting, if we're fighting a battle that we, an enemy we can't even see, how, how, how are we going to win that war? If we, can't even, if we can't even see them. So imagine if you had, if you had uh, uh, Air Force pilots in the sky and, and the enemy can see our planes, but we can't see them. <laughs> that's, that's not a good matchup, is it? And so it's easy to sort of get, be afraid and just sort of be like, well, I guess this, this is just how it is and I don't need to worry about this spiritual warfare. It's just going to happen. But we do not need to be afraid. We, don't, we do not need to uh, think we're defenseless. Prayer is not, when it comes to warfare, prayer is not only communion with God, but it is confrontation with the enemy. Who's the enemy? 
the devil, all of his fallen angels, all of the demonic forces, the darkness in this, in this world. There is darkness. And for those who've lived uh, as long as I have, the darkness is getting darker. <laughs> Can't you agree with that? Oh my gosh, it is getting darker and darker. Even over the past, I mean, since COVID, since COVID, the evil has just said, all right, we're going full-fledged. We're going to crank it, not to 10, we're going to crank it to 11. And we are going to, um, we're going to wreak havoc on our world and on our culture, and especially the church. And so we may think that, um, that we're defenseless, but, but when we're praying, it's not just communion with God, it's confrontation with the enemy, with the devil. Confronting him and, and accessing God's power to overcome the devil must be a foundational part of our prayers. Must be. Spiritual warfare is not an option, but an essential part of growing in your faith and living victoriously including prayers of warfare, is essential to experiencing the victory you have in Christ. So what I'm saying is, when you pray, I want to encourage you to include spiritual warfare. Do you know that you can, you could, you could talk to the enemy? You can call the enemy out. We'll talk about that later as we move on. But you can talk to the enemy. Satan, I command you in the name of Jesus. You need to flee from this situation. You have no authority. You have no authority. And for those who are, who are blood-bought believers in Jesus Christ, he, he has no authority. He doesn't. And so we can call him out on that. And so when you pray, I want to encourage you. Yeah, spend time with the Lord in praise and adoration. Thank him for all that he's done. And put your, draw your petitions to him. And, and, and as you pray for others and pray for, for things in your life. But then... Spend some time talking to the enemy. Here, so here's some, some simple truths about spiritual warfare. Just three, three little things I want you to remember. You can write these down if you want. Number one, the devil is real. <laughs> the devil is real. I may, you may be frightened by that. So you may be freaked out about that. I know there's some students here today. It's like, oh, wow. I, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm freaked out about that. I don't watch scary movies because I'm scared. Okay, and, um, and I'm freaked out about things I can't see and, and the devil and all this stuff. Um, the devil's real. Absolutely. And, and uh, Jesus talked about the devil. Uh, the devil sh- shows up in the, in the first book of the Bible, in the last book of the Bible, and several places in between. Um, one of his greatest tricks is convincing the people that he doesn't exist. You know, you realize that, right? One of his greatest tricks is to convince the world that he doesn't exist. We say, well, well, in the Bible, there are manifestations of, of the devil, of, of demonic power in the Bible. You know, Jesus casts out uh, demons out of people. You know, if the devil's real, then we, don't, we should see the manifestations of demonic power. I would say we see manifestations of demonic power. It's just different. It's, it's just different when it's in the Bible. Uh, I believe that, that the, the enemy comes in and he, and, he, and he brings lies and he brings confusion into people to make them think that they are a different person or make them think they're a different gender or all, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And so the demonic power has his way into people's lives 
And they may not show up, you know, kicking and screaming and, and you know, head spinning and all the stuff you, you know, I saw in the Exodus, you know, movie back in the 70s, which freaked me out. But, you know, he may not come like that, but he comes in a, in, in a different way. And, and it, is, it is powerful. And he is real. Second thing, the devil wants to destroy you. He does. He wants to destroy you. He wants to steal kill and destroy. Now, before I get, on, get further, if you have accepted Christ as Savior, you invited the Holy Spirit to come into your life, you, you, you are protected by the, by the enemy and the fact that he can't, he can't come inside you and overtake you and, 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 and make you into a different person. You, you are protected, okay? If you truly have accepted Jesus Christ, you, you, are, you are bought with the blood of Jesus and the enemy and the blood of Jesus cannot be in the same location. And so, but he will, he will destroy you, try to destroy you in many different ways. Through other people, through circumstances, through incidents, through health issues, through whatever. He's going to do everything he can to destroy your life. I have seen it in my own life. I've seen it even more as a church planter. I have. And he's going to, he's going to mess, try to mess things up for you. I remember the same weekend, the, the night before, the night before we were planting Lake Point Church. We planted Lake Point Church um, on, the, uh, on February 10th, 2013. And on uh, February 9th, late at night, I was in the ER with one of my children. And late, real late. And I was like, Lord, really? I mean, the night before? And, but what it was, it was just the, the enemy causing distractions and trying to, try to mess that up. And, and all throughout, and even the week, at, the week after that we planted one of our staff members, their son was in a horrible, or two of their sons were in a horrible accident, and one of them had to be life-flighted, and, and he, he's okay now, and, but it was scary. And, and I tell you, I was so mad. I was so mad at the enemy, and there's been other times in my life and in the planting of the church where it just seems like the enemy wants to just come and steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to do it in a lot of different ways. So the enemy is real. The devil wants to destroy you. And the third thing is the devil is limited. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Bible describes demonic power as, as being authorities, okay, authorities, but, but um, over certain worldly powers. But their authority has a limit. They tremble at the name of Jesus. God's word promises us in, in 1 John 4, 4. It says this, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let me tell you what, that is a promise that you can claim. When you are walking in fear and in, in, in confusion in your life and hurt and you feel like you're being attacked by the enemy, you can claim this promise right here in 1 John 4, 4. The one who is inside of me, Jesus, is greater than the one who is in the world. So I command you, prince of darkness, you need to leave me alone. Because the one who is inside of me is greater than you will ever be. So, the devil's real. The devil wants to destroy you. But also, the devil is limited. And you can call him out on it. So there's just some simple truths about spiritual warfare. Now, how do we sort of win the war? 
of, of spiritual warfare. When you engage in prayer, uh, in a prayer of warfare, it's helpful to keep three sort of strategies in mind, okay? So here's sort of three more little points about winning the war. How do, we, how do we do this? How are we successful in this? Number one, daily submit yourself to God. Daily submit yourself to God, okay? How many of y'all, raising your hands, how many of you eat every day? Okay, all right. There may be some days that you may fast. That's great. But for the most part, we're, we're, we're eating something every day. Okay? Why? Because it sustains us. It gives us strength. It gives us nourishment. It helps us physically to, to carry on in this life because if not, our strength would waver. The same is said for when we spend time with the Lord and in prayer. We need to go before him daily. Okay? Now, whether that be a, a, you know, a time set aside in the morning or the evening or throughout the day. I, I, lo- I actually love praying throughout the day. I actually, uh, just while I'm driving or, you know, just instead of looking at my phone, uh, waiting for something, I would just invite the Lord and to, and to pray. And so, you, you need to go before God the Father and submit yourself daily. We see this in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from us. Think of this process of submission and resistance as recharging your spiritual battery. Your relationship with God gives you power and authority. Just like sustaining yourself, your body physically with food. It gives you power. Okay? When, you, uh, when you surrender yourself to Christ daily, you walk by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to you, not by my own power, my own abilities. Lord, I, whatever you want to do, I need your power to, uh, to be evident in my life. I want to walk in your power, not my power, but your power. Man, when you submit to the Lord like that every day, you just wait to see what the Lord can do. Because guess what? He is able. So submit yourself to God. Number two, resist the enemy. We just saw that in James 4, 7. Okay? Resist the enemy. We, we do this uh, by closing any doors in your life that give him access. Close any door in your life that's giving him access. Some of us need to put on some filters in our life of, of, of him sort of giving access. Maybe about the things we, we watch on TV. Students, maybe the, the, the music that you listen to. Okay, is there, if there's an explicit words, I'm telling you, that's just, that's an open door. Okay? Uh, what, we, you know, what we see on the computer, what conversations we have with others, when people are give, having dirty jokes and, and, and we're sort of agreeing with that and sort of laughing instead of walking away. Guess what? That's an open door. That's an open door for the enemy to just, uh, to just come in and wreak havoc on your life. When you disobey God, ignore his command, commandments, and yield to temptation, you give the devil... An open door for your life. One wide open door we often overlook is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Forgiving others and seeking forgiveness are essential to our spiritual security system. Sort of our filter. And so when, when, when we're living this life and we have uh, people that we are 
you know, that we're, we're having a relationship with and they've hurt us or we've hurt them, there needs to be some healing there. There needs to be peace that happens. The Jehovah Shalom needs to come in to, to our life. And then he needs to bring wholeness or restoration. And then the Jehovah Rapha, the God of healing, healing can come in and heal that situation. But it takes forgiveness. We see this. Uh, check out uh, 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 10 through 11. The Apostle Paul says this. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And... Um, and what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order, now here, here's the reason, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So what, what Paul is saying, that when, when we fail to forgive, we create an opening for the devil to enter his, into his schemes, to, to work into our life. An unforgiving heart, an unforgiving spirit is just an open door for the enemy to come in. Check out this, uh, this verse in, in Ephesians 4, 26-27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are so angry. And do not give the devil, what? A foothold. A foothold. Hey, we all get angry sometimes. But guess what? When we lash out on anger, when we treat someone with disrespect, we need to go back to them and we need to apologize. And we need to ask for forgiveness. Because guess what? If we don't, the devil's going to put a foothold in. A foothold. And it's like his foot is there and the door can't close all the way. Right? It's an open door. He puts his foot in and says, ah, hmm, I see that anger. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come into this situation. He's not going to come into your heart. He can't do that as a believer of Christ. But he can come into that situation, that relationship, and, and, and all around your life in circumstances, he will wreak some havoc. Paul knew that the enemy likes to take advantage of us when we allow our emotions to get the best of us. When our feelings overwhelm us and cloud our judgment, the devil loves to seize every opening in our defenses. So, the, um, to win the war in prayer, we have to daily submit to God. We need to resist the enemy. Don't keep those, those doors open, okay? Submit to God daily. We need to resist the enemy. And third, we need to confront the enemy every day. Confronting the enemy every day. Your spiritual confrontation should include exposing the devil's lies because lying is what he does best. We see this, we see this in the beginning of Genesis. When the devil came to Eve and said, did God really say? He's questioning. He's bringing a lie. He's bringing a question mark. And that's how, that's, how the devil, that's how the devil works. In your mind, in your, in your sort of, your, uh, your emotions, the devil will often throw a question mark before he, as part of a package of a lie. He will. Well, those, those people don't really respect you. Or maybe with your spouse, 
You know, she, she doesn't really love you or he doesn't really care for you. Or does he? Does he really care for you? Or do, do those people really think that you're something special? Or do you really think you, you have what it takes to, uh, to, to accomplish this task? Do you really think you have, have what it takes to, to be in this career? Do you really think that decision that you made was the best decision? Do you really think, do you really think, do you really? That's how the devil works. His lies are packaged in a question mark. You need to watch for questions that enter your mind. That is how the devil works. And so you need to call out his lies. You need to call out his lies. We see this when Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees. Uh, we see this in John 8, 4, 4. Jesus is talking to them. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. Talking to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. He's talking about Satan. But there's no truth in him. The devil's a liar. Just like my group allies from the 80s. The devil's a liar. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The native tongue of Satan is lies. It's all lies. That's what he does. He's the father of lies. So doubts that are coming into your head about maybe things you've done in the past, of, of, of maybe you're not worthy to to receive God's grace or because of you know relationships maybe you've hurt or maybe you've gone through and maybe some of you've gone through a divorce and the enemy's saying you know you're not you're not worthy to be loved again there's nobody who can love you again that's a lie that's a lie and so Exposing his lies is vitally important because a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. It will. A lie believed as truth. When, when you allow that lie to, to stay in your mind and in your heart, guess what? You're going to believe that lie. You're going to believe it. And that, that belief will, will turn into truth as if it were true. But when we expose the lie, we defeat the liar. We expose the lie, we defeat the liar. We confront the enemy every day by claiming God's truth. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus used the word of God as his weapon to fight the enemy, and so should we. When he was in the, in the desert for 40 days and he was fasting, at the end of his fast, it's interesting that the devil came at the end of his fast, not the beginning of his fast, right? When he was hungry. Hey, turn these, uh, turn these stones of bread. I know you have the ability. Just tempting him. And Jesus didn't like, all right, I've had enough of you, devil. Let's get it on right now. Let's just wrestle. Let's just wrestle that right now. Jesus didn't do that. He, he was just quoting the word of God. He was quoting the word of God. 
When we know the truth, the truth sets us free. The devil has, has power, but no authority. So he keeps talking to us and lying until we believe the lie instead of the truth. We do. Consequently, everything that exalts itself in our minds is what is called a pretension. A pretension. Uh, Satan pretends that he has the authority. He does. Satan pretends that he has the authority. That's what got kicked him out of heaven. Yeah. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. He pretended to have the authority to where people could worship him instead of God. And God's like, no. I'm the only one with with that kind of authority. And he and a third of the angels were cast down. And so he pretends he is is fake. But we have um, the authority to break free of these lives and live in the truth. Um, you know, the, the enemy may plant a thought, a certain thought in your head. But again, it's pretension. Pretension. Okay? So let's, let's break, up, break that word up in, into two parts. Pretension. Okay? We know what tension is. Right? Tension is conflict. So let's say, for instance, if the devil uh, put a thought, uh, you know, in your head that, hey, you're not worthy to come to church. You're not. You're, you've lived a life of shame. You, you've made some bad mistakes. You're not worthy to, to come be a part of the church. That's, that is a lie from the enemy. Now, if you were to show up and we have people at the front door standing there going, mm, no, I don't, I, don't think you're, I don't think you need to come to church. You're not really worthy to be here. That would create what? Tension, right? That would be tension. And of course, that won't happen. Not a church, especially a Lake Point church. We're welcoming anybody can come in. But the pretension is that thought that goes before an action and an action that will never happen. It's pretension. It's fake. It doesn't belong in your head. So confronting the enemy every day with the truth against the lies is very important. So what are some warrior prayer examples? Okay, what are some examples of prayer, um, of prayer plans when it comes to uh, fighting the enemy? Uh, if you were to, uh, you could turn your uh, Bible to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, 11 through 18. So in this passage, we actually see some, um, some armor of God, and, and many of you are familiar with this passage. But this actually can give us a prayer plan as we fight the enemy and to let, them, let the enemy know, remind the enemy that we have the armor of God. Not our own armor, but the armor of God. It says this in Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, uh, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Not half of it, not a piece of it. The full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with, and here they are, the belt of truth. That's the first thing that Paul mentions. The belt of truth. Truth is the opposite of lies. 
So as you're putting on the full armor of God, you could tell Satan, look, I've got the belt of truth. I've got the word of God right here that says you are a liar. And this thought cannot stay in my head, in my heart, in my life. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And, and you can even find in God's word some, some passages that contradict whatever lie is in there. Search for it. Look at it. Quote it. The belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness guarding your heart. You're made righteous, not by your own actions, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has made us right. He has made us holy. The breastplate of righteousness. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Wherever you go, wherever you go, you can, you can, you can say, you know, I, I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to bring peace wherever I go today. Uh, my conversations, wherever I, 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 I travel, the conversations that I have, the, the projects that I'm working on, the people that I'm interacting with, guess what? I'm going to bring peace to this. Satan, you are not allowed to bring trouble because I'm a peacemaker. Okay? I, I have the gospel of peace. I have the shoes of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Okay? You need to, you need to dispense or, or shield yourself from the, the, the lies that the enemy puts in your head about your salvation. If you have been saved and if you have, uh, and if you have asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, and even to the point where you've been baptized, you have a physical, uh, a physical a tangible thing that you can go back to and say, yes, I, I told others about my salvation, about my decision to follow Christ. The helmet of salvation is to protect your head, your mind from the enemy questioning your salvation. Many people have problems with that. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, cuts through the lies. Sword of the Spirit and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keeping on praying for all the Lord's people. Can I tell you something? That last line, we need to be praying for one another. Hey, I'm, I'm asking you this. You need, to be prayer, you need to be praying for your pastor. You need to pray for Terry Kruger, our discipleship pastor. You need to pray for our elders. You need to pray for our staff. You need to pray for, for one another. That's why I love this time of prayer in our, in our service, but it needs to go beyond that. And so I want to encourage you to lift one another in prayer. You know, I can tell when, I can tell when people are praying for me, but I can also tell when people aren't. Now, I'm not trying to put that on you, but it's just a fact. And you might could sort of tell that as well. So I want to encourage you to be praying for one another. So we have, the, we have sort of this, this armor of God. Here's, here's another passage. It's uh, shorter. It's all, it's all about healing. And this is found in Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5. Psalm 103, verses 2 through 5. And healing is something that the, the, enemy, the enemy likes to use, or sickness likes to use in our, in, in our life to distract us. Uh, to get us off course. You know, when, when I fell a few weeks ago and, and broke my wrist, man, it, 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 
It knocked me off my feet, but it also knocked me off of my, my, my schedule, my, my, the things that I, that I normally do. And it just got me distracted. And, and it was just like, okay, this is just the enemy getting to me. The enemy say, well, you know, Frank, you probably, you fell on your own. The, the enemy didn't make you trip. No, but um, the enemy could have had me come to where I was at when I fell. I didn't have to be there at that day. And, uh, and it, yeah, I, I, I did that on my own, absolutely. But the enemy can use whatever circumstance you're in and could make it worse for you. He can. Whatever sickness you're involved in, okay? He can make that worse for you in your life by how you respond to it. And so here's a, here's a passage of, of healing. It says this in, in Psalm 103, verses two through five. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now you say, well, how, how can I use that in a prayer? Simple. Lord, I praise you. I praise you because, because you're faithful, because of your benefits. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving of my sin and healing my disease. Now, enemy, you, sickness in my life, I've been redeemed from the pit. Um, God heals. God is a God of healing. God is someone who can heal my diseases. I believe in that. So sickness and diseases, you have no authority to take over in my life. You don't. And so when you pray those kind of prayers, you're talking to the enemy in spiritual warfare. Here's another one. And turn to Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. This is called a marriage prayer. It's scripture about marriage, but it's a marriage prayer. Ephesians 5, 25 through 29. It says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does church. Now, I know this is really more in talking with, with, with a husband to a wife, but guys, guys, you're married. Listen, I, I want to encourage you. When doubts about your marriage come in, again, question mark, that's a lie. When doubts come in about your marriage, okay, and you start to believe those lies, you stop doing these things. You do. You stop doing some of these things that Paul is talking about right there in Ephesians chapter five. How can you combat that? You say, enemy, I'm called to love my wife just as Christ gave himself up for me. Enemy, 
You cannot stop me from, from helping to make her holy by encouraging the word of God to be in her life. In fact, I'm going to pray with my wife. And I'm going to do everything I can, enemy, to present her, my, my wife, at, at, just like the radiant church without, without staying a wrinkle or any blemish. How do I do that? I pray for her. And I mean, you cannot stop me from praying for my wife. I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to respect her. I'm going to do exactly what Jesus did for the church. Jesus loved the church. He's the good shepherd. I'm going to be a good leader. I'm not going to be someone who, who drives my wife to submission, I'm going to be someone who leads my wife and encourages her to follow by my example. I'm going to love my wife just like I love my own body. Because I love her. And I'm going to treat her well. And so that passage of, of sort of marriage, of a good marriage, turns into a prayer of Scripture against the enemy, against the lies that the enemy is trying to, trying to give you, okay? And so guys, if you're in a situation where you are, you know, things are strange with, with, your, with your spouse, bring it back to yourself. Bring it back to yourself. Your, your spouse is not the enemy. Bring it back to yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to live this and then use this passage in Ephesians 6 against the enemy who's bringing lie after lie after lie into your relationship. As we close, I'm going to share with you an amazing story. And I encourage you to listen carefully. It's about the missionary David Livingstone. When David Livingstone, he was uh, born in 1813, Passed away in 1873. He's known as Africa's greatest missionary. He first began his ministry in the inner parts of Africa. Some of the native tribes opposed him right there in the inner parts of Africa. One particular warlike tribe said they were going to kill him and everyone in his missionary party. One afternoon as they were setting up camp, Word was out that these warriors had been tracking David and his team all day. And they were outside the camp, and they were going to attack and kill everyone when it got dark. True story. Now that'll freak you out, right? Making reference to that evening, he wrote these words in his journal on January 14th, 1846. He wrote these words. It is evening... I feel much turmoil and fear at the prospect of having all my plans knocked on the head by savages who are just now outside the camp. Those, those people who studied his handwriting, David's handwriting, said you can even see the fear in the way he wrote the letters. He wrote this, but Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. There's a truth to combat the lie. And lo, I am with you always until the uh, very ends of the earth. Livingstone wrote, this is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor so that the 
That's the end of my fear. I feel quiet and calm now. He felt calm after he combated the lies or the fear with the truth. He feels calm now. That tribe, they didn't attack that night. Later, the, the tribe was brought to faith in Christ. A couple of years later, this missionary, David Livingstone, asked the chief of the tribe, a couple of years later, after he accepted Christ, he said, do you remember the night you were tracking my party? And the chief said, yes. And David said, well, we heard rumors that you were going to attack us. The chief said, that's right. We were ready to attack the camp that night and kill you and everyone else. David Livingstone then asked, why didn't you attack? <laughs> the chief said, when we got close to the camp that night, we looked and saw 47 warriors surrounding your camp with swords in their hands. David Livingstone was baffled. They didn't have any guards in their missionary team. They didn't have any warriors. So he didn't understand where they could have come from. Later on, when David was in, in, in furlough or a break for missionaries in Scotland, he shared this story at a church that was supporting him. They had this church in Scotland that was sending funds and just supporting and praying for David and his team. A man came up after David shared the story. He's just, I understand. My goodness. <laughs> Talking about enemy right there. Siri, the enemy. Um, so when, when he was sharing the story, a man came up afterwards with this prayer journal in his hand. And he said, look, I wrote down January 14th, 1856. That's the same day as when David wrote in his journal about his fears. He says, that was the right date, right? January 14th? David Livingstone said, yes. The man said, that night a group of men came to pray for you, David. We prayed for your protection. And I wrote it down in my prayer journal. It's interesting, David, that you said there were 47, 47 warriors that night surrounding the camp. You know how many men were praying for you? 47. So does God respond when the church come together? Absolutely. He does respond. You know, if you don't feel like praying, force it. Because something is forcing you to stop praying. When you don't want to pray, force it. If you don't feel like praying, force it. Because someone is forcing you to not want to pray. The greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Not unanswered prayer. That's not the greatest tragedy. It's unoffered prayer. So I encourage you. Church, 
Just we, we got to pray. Living on a prayer beyond life's emergencies. The more you pray, the more you'll be ready for those emergencies. And just like David, the missionary, that was an emergency. And those people prayed, and he prayed. Y'all, we gotta lift one another up in prayer. There's an enemy, he's real, he wants to destroy you, but he's limited. He's limited by the power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for protecting us against the enemy. I pray, Father, that you encourage us, Lord Jesus, to live a life of prayer, to make it happen, because there's an enemy who doesn't want us to pray. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here that, that just needs to improve their prayer life, which is, I would say, probably 100% of us. I pray, Lord, you just, you, you get rid of all the excuses. Lord, you, you help us be drawn to this. Help us, Father, to, to submit to you every day. Lord, forgive us when we try to do things on our own with our own abilities and our own strength. Father, we need you because you are more than able to handle everything, to handle the law. When we feel like we're surrounded by the enemy in the darkest of night and we don't know what to do, Lord, we're going to depend upon you. Lord, we love you. We give you praise and adoration for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we are so um, honored that you came today and those who are watching online. And uh, I do want to let you know uh, uh, next uh, week, maybe two weeks, there's going to be sort of what we call standalone prayers. There's a couple of things that uh, the Lord wants to share with us and share with me as well uh, before we start a, uh, start a new series. And uh, just, I just want to kind of do a, of a pause between a couple of series because there's kind of some fresh things, right, that the Lord wants to uh, share with us. And so if you want some fresh word from the Lord, you want to come back next week and, uh, and be there for that. Uh, don't forget to uh, just sign up for some of those things we've got coming up. We've got a lot of outreach opportunities we're doing in October uh, coming up. We've got ladies' Bible studies. We've got men's uh, events, opportunities, our students meeting on, on Wednesday nights, and, um, and some children's activities coming up in October as well. So lots of great ways for you to get involved, for you to um, just feel like you're, uh, you belong to our church. And that's really our first strategy. We want you to belong to our church. So make sure you check those out. We love you guys, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much.